Last week we talked about sharing the responsibility of God's church, primarily with mission and vision. What is the church's purpose on this planet? How can we share in that? And today I will serve the ministry of God's church deals more horizontally with, okay, how do we, how do we make this work? What happens if no one turns on the lights? You know, it's dark and we don't see. What happens if the sound crew doesn't come? Well, then I'm yelling and coughing and passing out and it's just no good. In fact, I, I just, I just want to, um, thank the sound team and the worship team and the live stream team today. Um, we, we changed, as you know, to inside yesterday based on the Supreme Court ruling. And, um, I texted them and said, is this possible? I don't want to kill you guys, but is this possible? And to a person, they said, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. And so I know they did a lot of extra work today. And thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. We appreciate being inside. Um, An example of maybe a position that's sort of behind the scenes. But without it, we don't function. And so how does the church function the way it should? At home, how a family functions. We started talking about this last week with responsibilities. But someone needs to cook the food. Someone needs to wash the dishes. Laundry is good to do every now and then. And and these things have to happen. They are part of what makes a family function and function well. And so today we want to talk about how do we serve in the ministry of God's church. Now this particular one is one of our four core values in ministry, the fourth core value. And so you've heard us talk about this one a little bit more than the others. But I encourage you to come at this fresh and to think through Areas that you have seen God do amazing things at Village because of people's ministry. Areas that you have seen, examples that you have seen of people ministering well. And as we talk through this point and what's part of our membership covenant, then we can be encouraged and we can say, okay, what might God still do through Village? So when we use the word ministry, we're basing that on the New Testament word for ministry and service. It is the same word. To serve and minister is the same word, diakonos. And so that's your Greek word of the day, diakonos. And I use that because what does it sound like? That we have a position we have in the church. Deacon, right? It's where we get the word deacon. And our deacon board, our servants, they are helping make sure the lights are on, make sure that the parking lot's in good repair, make sure these things happen with our facilities and with our structure, that ministry can happen. See, a deacon or diakonos, a minister in that way, is willing to do anything for anyone. Willing to come because their heart just is like, I want to serve. I want to help people. I want to love people and, and help God's church be God's church. And so the, the definition I put in your notes, ministry is using our gifts and abilities with a servant's heart to serve and build up the church body. Ministry is using our gifts and abilities with a servant's heart to serve and build up the church body. It's using whatever God has given you to meet the needs of others and to serve God. I just, just That's as simple as it gets. Whatever God has given you, use it to serve others and to serve God. Now what happens in a church or what happens in a family, let's start with a family, when one or two people decide, like the center in the football team, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to minister in this family. I'm not going to serve in this family. What does that do to the family? Privileges get revoked. Privileges get revoked, yes. 
Privileges are tied to responsibilities. That's a good way of doing that. What else? What happens? What happens to attitudes? It breeds resentment, right? Oh, discouragement. Okay, discouragement. I have resentment because I think that's part of it. How many of you love group projects in school when you're in school? (laughs) I heard the the moan, the groan. I, I despised group projects because what always happens is one or two of us would do all the work and the others would coast, and that wasn't right. I'm still upset about that. But that's what it can be in a family, right? When, when one or two people are coasting, not pulling their weight, it's not right. It breeds discouragement or resentment. You know, we can, we can share words there. It causes division. Same is true in the church. When, when some are just expecting others to do all the ministry, it can breed resentment. It can cause discouragement. There's also incomplete work. And so we come to ministry, and, and you can come to this morning's um, message and our points and say, oh great, this is another, another time where Ron is going to do a drive-by guilting and try to get me into ministry. I hope that's not what it's about. I hope we look at Scripture and see how God designed ministry, the beauty of it, the function in the church, and how amazing it is in the church, and how God wants to use it in the church. See, Ministry in the church isn't just about keeping people busy, right? Sometimes at home, maybe we do that to our kids. Never our kids, but um, (laughs) sometimes we give assignments just to keep people busy or because something has to be done. You know, move that rock pile there. Okay, now move that back over there. And, um, you know, it's building character. That is not why God has asked us to minister in the church. God doesn't need us to stay busy doing things that don't matter. But the fact is, God has designed ministry in the church to be more than just work, to be more than just getting chores done. He has designed ministry for every believer to make it essential to our growth and essential to the growth of the church. Now, there's all this talk about what is essential. Ministry is absolutely essential to our growth personally and to the growth of the church. And so God designed his church to need people to minister, to thrive when people minister. And in so doing, it elevates the importance and the significance of that ministry. It's never just about staying busy. It's about doing what the God of the universe wants to do in his church. And he is going to use you and he is going to use me to build his church. And that is sobering. And that is awesome. And so God has designed that every Believer is an essential worker. Now, you can go to the government and say that you're an essential worker and do whatever you want. No, uh, every believer is an essential worker. Turn with me to Ephesians 4, 15, and 16. And again, as we've done before, we're going to look at a, a lot of different passages. The Ephesians 4 passage we're going to look at several times today. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. And this is in a bigger passage of gifting and that God has has given the church leaders and the positions of leadership to equip the saints. We'll get to that a little later for ministry. But then catch Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. I want to start with this because it's the bigger picture of what God can do with ministry in you and in the church. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so verse 15 talks about our personal growth. 
as we speak the truth in love, in the verses prior to this, as we serve, as we minister in the church, we are to grow up in every way in Christ. And so one of the keys of that is as you minister, you grow. And if we don't, if we aren't in ministry, if we aren't intentional about that, it stunts our growth. But then verse 16, and this is so key, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, or some translation says, as each does his work, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And we see verse 15 talking about personal growth, our growth. We see 16 that God is using it in the life of the church. And we know this to be true, right? Maybe we know it more to be true of personal growth. How many of you have been on a missions trip? Okay, most of the hands here. I love missions trips because I watched growth in our students more on a missions trip than almost any other thing we did. Why is that? Think about it. They were serving the whole time. Dedicated a week to service, usually out of their comfort zone. Actually, usually way out of your comfort zone. And so I watched God refine lives. I watched God work through them. I watched students with their eyes open to say, God is real. It is exciting when we minister to God. And it's exciting to see how he answers prayer. It is exciting to see that growth. Because quite honestly, we don't grow as much in our comfort zones. We just don't. You know, if you're, if you're training and exercising, you don't, you don't build muscle as much if you're doing just the same thing every day and you never add to that. There, there needs to be improvement. There needs to be something that stretches us. And so it, it helps our growth. And then verse, verse 16, you see a couple things that it does for the church. And, and in your blanks, you can put stability and growth. I'll give them to you right up front. Stability and growth from whom the whole body, and catch the inclusive language here that's capturing everybody, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. That first part there, joined and held together. When we minister, when every person in a church ministers, when we are, are working properly where God wants us to work, it actually acts like the joints and muscles in your body that hold your body together. You take that all away from your body and we're just mush. I mean, we can't do anything. We have no muscles. We can't move anything. But the stability of the church is part of this. And in fact, the verses around this talk about stability and not being tossed to and fro and, and um, doctrinal stability. But the key here is when each part does its work, it brings stability to the church. God is using your ministry, even if it's sweeping the patio, to build stability at Village. Do we want a stable church? Or do we want a church that falls apart at everything that happens? God's word says ministry is part of that. And so ministering holds us together. Then at the end of the verse, not only does it hold us together and make us stable, because we don't want to get stagnant, it makes the body grow. So growth helps us grow, helps us build the body up in love. And that's the, the, the other part of this is it builds community. The in love, as you minister beside each other, sometimes people say, well, how do I get to know people at Village? How do I, how I really become part of people's lives? And my best answer is join a ministry. 
minister together. There, there's just no better way than to be in the trenches side by side to get to know people and to be doing something significant together. And so God has created ministry. He ordained ministry, commanded ministry in His church for every person, every believer, for stability and growth. I think a, a good example of this, thank you, Andy, for your Jenga set. And if I die, we're, we're talking later. Um, as you build a Jenga set, when every part is there, that's pretty stable, isn't it? Okay, so it looks good. We'll do one more layer. And so as, picture these as each member doing their ministry, no matter how big, no matter how small, maybe it's nursery, maybe it's teaching, maybe it's serving on a board, maybe it's making sure that the bulletins are folded and ready to go. As each one in the church does their ministry, it creates this foundation that is solid and for growth. And so this is something that can hold a person. I didn't tell my wife about this ahead of time. Joshua, bless his heart, said, just don't do it near the piano. (laughs) So it's stable, right? I'm not going to get down. I don't know if I know. (laughs) And so this is strong. It is stable. Now, what happens when one person says, you know what? I've ministered for a while. I've done my part. I don't think the church needs me as much. I'm taking a break. Or what about when someone else says, you know what, I I just, I have other things to do. Hmm. (laughs) So I'm not going to minister. What if someone says, you know what, it's just much more comfortable just to do nothing. So I'm not going to minister. Maybe someone else says, you know what, I just don't even see that I'm needed. Um. I don't see a place for me, so I'm not going to minister. Maybe someone else says, you know what, I had a really bad experience at my last church. And people didn't appreciate the ministry. In fact, I was treated poorly, so I'm not ready to get back into ministry. You know, there can be all kinds of reasons we don't minister. And every time someone in the church isn't part of ministry, it's another block in our structure in our foundation that's taken away. So now, (laughs) yeah, I'm keeping track of who said to go ahead and do it. (laughs) No, I can already feel this ain't happening, right? Because this is not stable. Now, could I build higher on this? Maybe a layer or two, but But you know you've played Jenga. The whole point is you can only grow so much with an unstable foundation. This is not stable. And and I wanted to just visibly, and I'll show you how to see. Yeah, I'm not getting up on that. I wanted to visibly show us what Ephesians 4, 15, and 16 is teaching. Now think of that, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up into love. See, when we aren't active in ministry, we sacrifice growth in ourselves and in God's church. 
And, and, and I guess the, the other side of this is, I want you to know that every person here is needed. Every person in this room, every person at Village is needed. Even those of you that aren't able to come that are watching online, you are needed. And that ministry might look a variety of different ways. And it might be formal ministry where it's part of one of our ministries here and, and part of what we do on Sunday morning or during the week. It also could be informal ministry. I'm not here this morning saying you've got to fit into our structure or else you're toast. You're the Jenga block that isn't working. No, there, there are all kinds of informal ministry. I mean, one couple I was talking to a couple years ago said, you know, physical reasons and other reasons, we really can't do a lot. But what, how about this? Can, can we just invite people over to our house maybe once or twice a month in the church, different people and reach out to people that way? It's not a formal ministry. Is it a vital ministry? Oh, yeah. So effective and so important because their commitment was, I'm going to find something that I can do with my, my circumstances. Some of you online that haven't been able to come and some of you far away have said, tell you what, can, can I just, and I, I hate to say just, can I pray for village? Can I pray for the prayer request of village? And some of you are diligent and you're spending time, you're carving out a chunk of time every day to pay, pray for the needs at village. That's informal ministry, but it's ministry. It's still each one doing its work. And so I want to make sure we understand it's not just serving on worship team. It can be so many different things. It's a heart that's a servant's heart that seeks ways to help people in the church. Seeks ways to help people walk with God and to help us function as a church. And so if every person is needed, that should motivate us. It also helps us appreciate others. I can't go to anyone, or we would never say this, but I can't think in my head, you know what? That person just isn't really needed. Glad they're here, but boy, they're just not really a part of village. No, that's awful because that is not how God made the system work. He made the system work to, to create an importance of every believer and a reliance on each other because that's how unity comes. And that's how a family should work. <clears throat> Paul in 1 Corinthians, as he's talking about 12, talks about gifts. A phrase that he uses is, we are all members one of another. We're not alone. I rely on you. You rely on me. You rely on the other people in this room. And that's beautiful. And that's the way it should be. We're dependent on each other. We're responsible to each other. Just as in a building, we can't just skip parts. We can't just skip tools. You know, we're going we're to build and we're going to, we're not going to have studs in our building. The drywall's sufficient. No, it'd fall down. It'd be ridiculous. We can't skip on who's doing what ministry. First Corinthians 12, and I'll read this to you, 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And Paul here is showing that God gives gifts to everyone. He arranges ministries for everyone. And we all need each other. And so all of that is sort of just prefaced to get to our four points that that begin to flesh out this concept of ministry and every believer having a ministry. And so letter A in your notes how do we support the ministry? How do we serve in the ministries of God's church? 
by discovering my gifts and talents and joyfully using them to serve the body of Christ. By discovering my gifts and talents and joyfully using them to serve the body of Christ. And there's two parts of this. Discovering gifts and talents. And so that's sometimes like taking the shape class or some other things where I figure out what God has equipped me to do, what He's skilled me to do. But the second part is we've got to use them. It's not just enough to learn about gifts. We need to be using them in the church. And so joyfully serving the body. And so as, as we look at this, we begin to understand both the concept of, of seeing my skills, but then just doing it, as Nike would say. First Peter 4.10 and 11. Turn there with me. That'll be the key verse for this section. First Peter 4.10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And this verse is so rich. I mean, right from the start, as you've received a gift from God, and a spiritual gift, I think this is a general term that could be a talent, anything He's given us, as God has given you those things, as we discover and see those things, use it to serve one another. Again, that word is diakonos, to serve, to minister to, to be in ministry. As good stewards of God's varied grace. And the idea here is, is God gives us skills and abilities and spiritual gifts and we are to be conduits of that that just pour it out on other people, right? And a, a conduit will take something that comes in one end and get it to the destination and pour it out there. That's the picture here of as good stewards of God's very great, very grace, we receive, we use it, and pour that grace out on other people. We're to be conduits, not cul-de-sacs. We're the wires that carry the electricity of God's grace to the destination. The point is God's grace. And so we see from this verse, we're to, to receive, we're to discover our gifts and talents. We're to understand that God has given us abilities and gifts. Now, one of the things that we teach at Village is there's not only natural abilities. Everyone has natural abilities and talents, and some of you are good at sports, some of you are good mechanically, some of you are artistic, all those things are just naturally ingrained, part, part, of, part of God's common grace to all people, right? Everyone has some sort of talents. But as we study Scripture, every believer also is equipped by the Holy Spirit to minister. And so we call those spiritual gifts, and whether they're, they're um, for your whole life or come and go, that's a different discussion. But God equips us to do His work at his times, and this is a supernatural equipping that is only available to believers and only comes when we know Christ. And so this morning, when we talk about spiritual gifts, that's a very brief summary of what we're talking about. But we see in that verse, as each has received, and letter, well, I don't know if I have the letters in there, but the first thing is, each person receives one. You see that right in the text, as each has received a gift. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12 again, verse 7 and 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Believer, if you're sitting here today and you know Christ, you've been given a spiritual gift. You've been equipped by the Holy Spirit to do something in the area of service and ministry for God's people. Isn't that cool? 
It's not just go minister and you're on your own. Good luck. The Holy Spirit who abides in us equips us to do these things. And every one of us has at least one spiritual gift. And we see all kinds of lists in Scripture and all kinds of ways the Spirit can work. And the second part of this is as we've received a gift in 1 Peter 4.10, use it to serve one another. And the concept here is we should look to serve in the areas where God has equipped us. That's sort of the obvious statement of the day. You know, if, if God has equipped you to teach, teach. If God has equipped you to work with kids and to be patient and, and help them grow and, and enjoy that, then do that. You know, we, we know this in talents, right? If, if you have no mechanical skills, I probably don't ask you to work on my car. Right? But the same is true in spiritual gifts that we should be looking and discovering how, how has God made me? What, how is the Spirit working in me? Now, now there's some ministries that we all do. We all have the spiritual gift of putting away chairs after an event. Because it's just common responsibility. And one of the things I hear over and over and over is people love that about village. When one person starts putting away chairs, there's 50 people putting away chairs and it goes like in five minutes instead of an hour or two. And, and I praise you for that. Those kinds of things we just all do. You see something that needs to be done, do it. But our primary ministry should be in the gifts that we discover that the Holy Spirit has gifted us in. So, so if, if the Holy Spirit has given each one a gift, and he has, each believer, how do we discover them? It, it's, he doesn't send an email or text how do we discover those gifts? And, and, and we have a lot of different ways where that happens. I, I think one of the ways that, that that happens is the shape class that we offer from time to time. And that class is designed to, to help you discover your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences, and how God has made you for ministry. And we give all kinds of ministry ideas. We offer that probably once every four or five years, um, just on a rotating basis for people that come. One of the best ways to discover your gifts, though, is to start trying ministry. It, it, this sounds so simple, and it, and it is. Try ministry short term. Say, you know what? May, maybe it's in this age. Try for three months. And, say, and, and maybe it's like, that was the best thing ever. Or maybe you're like, if I ever do that again, I will kill somebody. Change ministries. Because not only do we not want dead people, um, when we serve within our gifting, when we serve within how the Holy Spirit has equipped us to do, then we're gaining power to do that from him. We see effectiveness from him, and it's a joy. And it's amazing. I'm not saying it's not hard. But something can be a joy and amazing and still be hard. And we can love it. So one of the best things that, that I encourage people to do is try things. And, and I'm okay if someone tries something for three months and says, that's not for me. I know sometimes in churches, and we can do the same thing, it's like you've signed in blood and the only way out of that ministry is to die. That doesn't need to be the case. I would rather have a church full of believers serving where the Holy Spirit has equipped them to serve than serving where I need them to serve. That makes sense? It's a whole different mindset. Another way to discover your gift is through discipleship. Take someone that knows you and say, where do you think God has gifted me? Where do you think I should serve? 
And, and I bet you'll find out. They'll be able to, to tell you if you're, if you have a shepherding gift. They'll be able to tell you if you have a service gift or, or hospitality or some of the others. Sometimes people close to us can tell us when we don't have a gift. We need those kinds of honest people. But discover our gifts is the first part of that. Part of being family is by discovering my gifts and talents and joyfully using them to serve the body of Christ. A couple of additional thoughts. We're going to spend most of our time on letter A because everything else flows out of that. Additional thoughts about gifts. And again, some of this is from the shape class, but that's a whole semester or trimester. God has created you to serve. God has created you to serve, not to be served. The be served and demanding to be served, that came with the fall. But God created right from the start, Adam and Eve, to serve. He created them to work, to tend the garden, to do his work. Ephesians 2.10 says this, and this is right after 8 and 9, where we talk about, for by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, this is a gift of God. The very next verse For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created to serve, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this is why when when people retire, it becomes so hard. If they don't find something significant to do, something that is contributing and serving, it's it's like you wither away. It's noticeable, the effects on people, because we are created to serve. We are made in God's image. And did Jesus come to serve? He was a servant, a servant to all. And so we exist to serve because of whose we are. Not who we are, whose we are. Because we were created. We were created to be serving beings. Interestingly enough, at the end of time, in Revelation 22.3, it says again, The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. So if you think going to heaven ends your time of service, no, because service isn't hard. It's not evil. It's good. It brings significance. I would much rather be part of an organization where I can be part of it than just sit there and do nothing. So God has created you to serve. He also saved you to serve. And that's a similar concept, but even the the Ephesians 2.10, it's right after that God saved us to serve. In 2 Timothy 1.9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. As much as we'd like it, God, God didn't save us because heaven would be just lost without us. No, he saved us, yes, because he loved us, but he saved us to a purpose, to a holy calling that he gave us be- since before the ages begin. So the se- back to the first Peter 4, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. The second part of our statement is we're to joyfully use our gifts to serve the body of Christ. Joyfully use our gifts to serve the body of Christ. We need to do something. And, and there's a couple different ways, again, of looking at this like, okay, I'm going to force joy. Joy is really hard to force. Joy comes when we trust God and we, when we do what God has asked. But yes, we can control our attitude and we should control our attitude. Our attitude is a choice. Even taking out the trash can be a joy if we choose to make it a joy. If we choose to see the bigger picture that God is even using taking out the trash to bring stability and growth 
to His church and to make sure every member is part of that. But here's the bigger thing with, with our statement to use them joyfully. I actually think using being in ministry and being faithful in ministry and having a servant's heart brings joy. So I don't think we have to somehow force joy. I think as we obey the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. And I think God brings joy. And if, if, if someone is saying, man, I'm just struggling with joy in my life. I'm struggling to, to feel a part of things. I'm struggling to see what God is doing. I think sometimes the answer is get in ministry. Don't wait for that to come before you get in ministry. Obey that and see what God does with that. And it's okay to say to God, I don't have joy right now. Life stinks right now. I don't feel like doing that today. As long as we follow that up with, help me, God. Help me. Help my unbelief. Help my attitude. I can remember leading a trip, to, um, a missions trip for Biola one year. And um, the night before we left, I got a note from our, our interpreter. And um, he said, um, Ron... I'm not going to go on the trip. Now, keep in mind, this was our only interpreter. So that was challenging. And, and it went on to say, I, I just don't feel like I'm right with God. And I don't feel like I can go on the trip if I'm not right with God. And my heart grieved at that because how long does it take to be right with God? Man, it takes one time falling on our knees and repenting and saying, God, I repent. But that was enough where he wasn't willing to repent. He wasn't willing to give that attitude to God. He wasn't willing to go serve. And the whole team struggled because of that. Joy comes when we serve. And so we're to joyfully use our gifts. We're to to watch our attitudes. But then as we obey, God forms our attitudes and we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. So at Village, we're committed to finding a place for every believer. We have this in in our our, um, Welcome to Village class. We're committed to finding a place of ministry for every believer. All believers have been gifted by God to serve Him in exciting and unique ways. And as we minister, God works and the body grows. We were each created to serve. The end result of living in community and growing in the Lord is a life dedicated to serving our Lord. Now, here's another thing that excites me about this. If we have our church, and I praise God because, because like I've said, we have a very high percentage of people in service. And I love where Village is going. I love how God is using Village. But catch this. What if 20 more people start adding their, their blocks to the pile? Now God is is just exploding what he's doing at Village. How much more could God do? And so don't think of this as, oh, woe is us. There's some people not in ministry. What might God want to do if more people engage? Isn't that cool? Because we're talking about being undistracted for the kingdom this year because I am convinced God is going to bust us out in some areas of ministry and bust us out in some areas of serving him. And so engage, join us, join us in ministry and see what God might be doing. Letter B, how do we serve in the ministry of the church? By making it a priority to serve others in God's church. By making it a priority to serve others 
in God's church. And priority is the key word there because yes, we're supposed to serve, but what's the difference between I'm serving in the church and it's a priority to serve in the church, right? Think about that for a minute. A priority is something that becomes more important that we make sure happens. If you have a priority to watch the game today, what are you doing at 3.30 or 3 or whenever it's on? You're watching the game today because it's a priority. Nothing else is going to get in the way. We will be undistracted from that. Galatians 6, 6 9 and 10. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So let, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And we see in verse 9 something that can distract us, something that could take that priority away. But then verse 10, so then, as we have opportunity, and that's a statement of priority, that's a statement that says, whenever there's a chance to do this, do this. Be looking for areas to serve. Be looking for how you can help other people and jump on it and jump in and engage and do it. As we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, especially those that are in in the household of faith in the church. And so Paul to the Galatians is saying, man, jump in. Don't miss opportunities. Now for that to happen, it's got to be a priority. It's got to be important to us. Otherwise we miss opportunities all over the place. I I do want to address verse 9 there. Because 9, I think, is what we can be struggling with this year. It's what I'm struggling with sometimes. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Anyone weary after the last 12 months? In some areas? Yeah. It can be weary to, to... It can make us weary to constantly be dealing with COVID and constantly be dealing with the other stuff that's happening in our culture. And God's word says, oh, don't be weary in doing good. Don't be distracted. Don't let anything stop you. For in due season, and it gives us a promise, in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Keep caring for one another. Keep loving each other, even those that aren't here. Keep doing what it takes to meet together. Don't give up. And see how God uses that kind of persistent service and persistent faith. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Galatians 5, 13 and 14, I'll read this to you. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh or to just do what you want. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's our priority. It's one of the two great commands that we have out there. Love God and love others. And so we're to take advantage of these opportunities. Now to make it a priority, we have to make it room for it, right? We we have to take the time to do what's important. In fact, we will always make time to do what's important. But remember, the church needs you. It's part of stability and growth in the church. And so making it a priority says, I'm going to make this top of mind. I'm going to be looking for ways to serve. You know, distractions to this, and we're talking undistracted this year, busyness can get be, can distract us from ministry and making ministries a priority. 
And so when we have other things in our life that supplant ministry, those are statements of priorities. Now, some of those may be valid, and there, there, there may be some other valid priorities that we're also juggling, but there are times where we are compromising ministry for things that really don't matter for the kingdom. And so the question we have to ask ourselves then is, do I really believe ministry is essential for the growth and stability of the church and of myself? Sometimes we don't make things a priority because we think others can do it better. Others will do it. I'm not needed. Oh, you're needed. And, and yes, sometimes others could do it better, but how do we train up a new generation? How do we train up other people to do it? Because eventually, by, by trying it and practicing, you're going to do it better than other people. That's an excuse. It's a distraction to keep us from making a priority on ministry. So let's say this is one of the priorities we need to have. We need to be in ministry to God's people, serving God's people, formal or informal. But it must be a priority for the believer. Letter C, how do I serve in the ministry at Village? By being equipped to serve by my pastors. By being equipped to serve by my pastors. Jumping back to the Ephesians 4 passage that we started with, And this is a really key, I would read that whole section, but verses 11 and 12 of chapter 4, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And we could stop there and say, okay, those are the big five, right? Those are the leadership gifts. Those are the upfront gifts. So they're the ones that do the ministry. Hey, we even pay the pastor to do that. That way I don't have to. It's awesome. But then verse 12. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Verse 12, why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. See, the leadership of the church, God has directed to train and to equip others to do the ministry, so we're all doing the ministry of the church. The staff doesn't do everything. The pastors don't do everything. Now, that doesn't mean we do nothing. But one of our primary roles is to be equipping and helping the entirety of the church minister and be part of that. If you're in leadership at the church, if you're on, on the elder board, one of the pastors here, staff here, you will stand before God and I believe he will ask, how did you do it equipping others to serve at Village? There's a weight to that. But conversely, For every member here, he's going to say, how did you do it preparing yourself to use your gifts and talents? How did you do it at at being equipped? And so all of us are going to answer to God for how we, we worked in God's church. But we need to be willing to be equipped. Willing to go to a ministry training. Willing to go to the shape training if we haven't taken the the shape willing to sit under the ministry of the word, even sitting here this morning and on every Sunday morning, that's part of equipping you to use your gifts. It's part of it. Don't neglect the ministry of the word. Don't go to those ministry-specific trainings thinking, well, I've got this. I could teach this class. No, that's not having a heart that's being willing to be equipped. See, gifts and ministry in the church, it's, it's a lot like muscles or, or any sort of talent you have to train yourself to use it. Okay, no, none of you, well, I shouldn't say this, I don't know, but 
most of you didn't ride a bike the fir- completely well, well the first time you got on. Usually there's training wheels and falling and tears and all kinds of fun stuff. But now you can ride a bike because you, you tried it, you practiced it. If I was to say, you know what, tomorrow it's day off, I think I'm going to go run a marathon. You'd say, you're nuts. You're nuts. You, I give you a mile at most because I haven't trained, I haven't worked up to it. The same is true with gifts. The first time you teach a class, it's not going to be like radio quality or podcast quality. The point is you start to try, you start to be equipped, you, you flex that muscle, you learn. Part of this as well of being equipped to serve by my pastors is coming under the direction and the vision of what's happening in any given ministry. What happens when everyone does what they want? It's chaos, right? It's chaos. But as we come under leadership and we all row the same direction, that is when something gets done. You know, back to the Super Bowl. Those teams have been training for today and watching film and practicing and running through plays. All of that is part of being equipped by their coaches to hopefully play the best they can today. Each player should be on the same page. When you run a play, you want your receivers to go where the quarterback's throwing the ball. And that's the, the, the role of the, the pastors and the elders and the leaders. They're to give direction. They're to give the heart of ministry. You know, part of this too, how, how are we equipped? I think we have to be willing for feedback. If, if we are the type of person that gets so offended at any feedback, like, hey, you know, if, if you did this, you, you'd do a little better. We're like, oh, I'm never doing that again. That person's a jerk. No, no, they love you and they're trying to help you grow. And so we've got to be open to that. And that's part of being family, by being equipped to serve by one of my pastors. You know, my, my kids take out the trash. And if I see them taking it out and putting it in the car, some feedback's needed. You're doing this wrong. I know that's a silly example, but wouldn't they want that feedback? They got to ride in the car. <laughs> we, we've got to be able to talk about these things to build up the body of Christ. Again, there can be distractions to this. I, I don't want to take that class. I don't, I don't want to go to that ministry meeting. I don't have time for that. Well, is ministry worth it? Is your growth and the church's growth worth it? Another thing I see is often, we're very individualistic people. I know that. And so oftentimes I see people um, gain sort of some authority, some power in a ministry, and all of a sudden the whole ministry's direction changes because they want to do it their way. That's not being equipped to serve. That's doing your own thing. So how can we come under the vision and the heart of ministry and those that are leading those ministries? So that's part of being a family, being equipped to serve by my pastors. The last one, and this one just covers everything else, and we've sort of woven this into everything else because it, it's part of everything. Letter D, by developing a servant's heart and coming ready to serve others. By developing a servant's heart and coming ready to serve others. This is the heart that I pray every person that walks through that door comes, comes with on a Sunday morning. 
You can read the, the Philippians 2, 3 through 7 passage this week. I love the John 13 passage that I mentioned there. And this is where Jesus in the upper room, before he's about to be crucified, comes together and there's no one there to wash the disciples' feet. And he, he gets the right garments on and he washes their feet. And he's illustrating a servant's heart. He's illustrating how to serve. And if Jesus can do that, then we have to understand our identity is to follow his example. Our identity isn't just to serve, but to be servants. And so one of the things that that we often have done as a family is on our way to church Sunday morning, we say, who does God want you to serve today? Who can you serve today? And when the kids were little, they're like, that's a weird question, dad. But it's a mindset of saying, I'm coming to serve. I'm not coming to take, I'm coming to give. On some of the missions trips we would do, we had a phrase. Anyone remember it? I'd be, yes, I'd be glad to. And and that was just the phrase of, of the trip. That should be the phrase when we come to church. Be part of the family. Yeah, I'd be glad to. I'd be glad. That's a servant's heart. That's what should cover all of these things. One pastor, and I was reading, one pastor said he answered the phone one day and the lady was asking about a church. And, and she said, we're looking at ch- for a church where we can be blessed. And the pastor, pastor said, that's fine. We're looking for members who can bless the church. She said, oh, no, no, you don't understand. We're looking for a place where we can be fed. He said, that's fine, ma'am, but, but we're looking for members who can feed others. Her answer, what kind of church is this? A healthy one. A one where the body is doing the ministry together and there's strength in numbers and we stand together. That's what our prayer for village is. That's what we want to do. This morning we come to communion. And if you didn't grab a communion cup, there's a couple tables in the back. There's a table out in the the lobby, in the gym. There's a table by the glass doors. But we want to celebrate communion because what we're celebrating, what we're remembering is the servanthood of Christ. We're remembering that that Jesus was the ultimate example for us and he emptied himself of all of the, the things that heaven offered him and he made himself a servant so he could die for our sins, so he could bring us salvation. And so as we take communion together, the the bread, the wafer reminds us of his body that was hung on that tree as a servant for us that he willingly gave. The juice is going to remind us of his blood that was shed as payment for our sins because the only payment for sin against an infinite God is life. And so he paid for our sins and gave his body as the ultimate servant. Let's pray together before we remember him in this. Lord God, We praise you for your sacrifice. We remember. And Lord, as we remember this morning, help us to copy that. Help us to emulate that, Lord, where we also are servants, where we also are serving each other as you have come to be a servant to us and to offer us salvation. Lord, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve the gospel, but yet you have freely poured out your grace on us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your sacrifice. In your name, amen.